international drivers that have been part of the championship and ranking them in another top five. Hey everybody and welcome to I've lost count of how many of these we have done now. Uh, as Sam said in the intro we're looking at international drivers who just so happened in our list to have all won a championship. They do. Um, I think that's probably the state of the international drivers that have come in, they've been a fairly high pedigree. There have been a couple of nobodies that we've completely forgotten about, but the vast majority that have had a decent reputation coming into the championship have made that known by going on to win a championship or two. Uh, just to give you the parameters of how we have done this, so these are drivers who are not English, Scottish, Welsh or Northern Irish. Yeah. Um, so anyone else, any other nationality would be considered international for the purposes of this. Uh, and we may as well, without further ado, get straight into the first driver. Yeah. Um, a German driver, only in the championship for two years with Audi Sport UK in 1996 and 1997. First season, won a championship, which is pretty good going. Uh, we're talking about Frank Bieler. He didn't just win a championship in 96. Uh, he took eight race wins, 12 podiums, and won by 92 points in the debut season, which is pretty astonishing. Albeit the car was uh, the Uber car, I think, pardon the, yeah. the Germans. Yeah, his lowest finish in that season was at Silverstone, uh, where he finished 11th. He had a disqualification in Snetterton. Um, but yeah, to not finish effectively outside, what, the top six, top eight throughout the whole championship apart from once, that's pretty astonishing. Um, and then in his second season, uh, two rounds shorter than the uh, previous season, he finished second in the championship. Yeah, so those two seasons he was with us, um, he had a, you know, a fantastic time in the touring cars. Uh, that second season, whilst he did struggle, he still took five wins and six podiums, which I think that was probably the most competitive era of touring cars the mid-90s and you look at the, the drivers on the grid the car was on the grid um, and the fact it was two two teams but each team was well funded was well uh, structured and had very competitive cars uh, by and large um, I think his, his two seasons in the touring cars were three uh, whilst we're not really considering what else they've done in uh, racing terms to how they've done the touring cars we should mention that he's gone to become a Le Mans legend. Uh, yeah. Uh, has excelled Le Mans. Uh, he's also excelled in a couple of other series as well, but his Le Mans record is fantastic. Yeah, and, and his affiliation with Audi throughout has is very, very noticeable. Um, yes. He's almost like their, their poster boy for endurance racing um, and came into the British Touring Cars and showed why he was already so good. I just wonder why Audi decided to push him away from the touring cars uh, and through to Le Mans. Um, I suppose why is that bit more prestigious, maybe? Arguably, but, was it development? I development of his racing skills and racing pedigree. Obviously, he's gone bang straight in there with a win, second in the championship. Okay, we'll look look to move you on to bigger and better things. Obviously, being an international driver, he probably has more more clout throughout the rest of Europe rather than a British driver going abroad, as we've seen with some Brits going into the world touring cars. 
I'm surprised that Audi didn't at any point think to bring him back into the touring cars. Um, I know he's you know, done well at the Monaco Cup uh, series. It's just a bit of a surprise that, as you say, he is sort of Audi's poster boy. He is very loyal to the four-ring brand. I'm just surprised Audi, Audi themselves, A, haven't wanted to dabble back into the touring cars, and B, haven't put him in the car back in the touring cars. Yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned his first season in the touring cars. Um, obviously won it, and won it by a long way uh, yeah. nearly 100 points from Alan Menu um, but looking down the list of drivers that are in there you've got Ricard Rydell you've got David Leslie you've got John Cleland Will Hoy James Thompson the, these are quick drivers of the time yeah. Yeah. and to go out and dominate a championship by nearly 100 points is outstanding absolutely I say that's what I meant when I said it was perhaps the most competitive you look at the cars that are racing as well there isn't really that limping machine we, we come to associate with modern day touring cars. Obviously, there's a slower team in there, but by and large, they are well-funded, well-backed, and very, very capable uh, touring cars. And, and, I mean, his quality shows through, considering his teammate, a relative unknown of John Binkcliffe, finished seventh in the championship with only 113 points to yes. his 289 yeah, so even yeah. in equal machinery, he was a class apart from anyone else. Which also helps to slightly dampen the argument that often gets thrown of, well, it was the Audi A4, yes. four-wheel drive, it was the ultimate machine. Yes, it was, but equally, as you just said there, Binkley in the same machinery, didn't win a title. Muller didn't win a title in this car either, don't forget. No. Uh, he would later race for Audi and didn't win a title in that car either. So I think that, I think when you also compare his pedigree and other uh, championships he is a fantastic driver yeah where are we going to put him on our respective lists then um, I think I've got a number but I think it's probably different to yours I, I think he's at the lower end for me um, of the top five because of only having those two seasons in there as we've said everyone in our list has either won one or more championships yeah. Uh, for me, he goes in in fifth, but that is mm. solely because it was only two years in the sport. Although, don't, although two extremely good years in the sport, I would I would be interested to see if he'd have come back at some stage to see yes. what he could have done, uh, which a couple of other drivers in our top five did, um, and to whether he would have been able to carry on that competitiveness if, say, Audi had dropped out of the sport, which in the transition from 99 to 2000 a couple of the big manufacturers did uh, so it would be interesting to see whether he would have carried that on but for me he goes in at number 5 Fair enough uh, on my list he's going in at number 4 I, I take your point that it is only two seasons uh, we're not judging his uh, exploits outside touring cars in, in coming to this list um, but I think you take those two seasons those are two exceptional seasons, um, and I think for that reason, he's at, he's at number four for me. Moving on then to the next driver on our list, uh, it is the Italian, uh, two times winner, it is Fabrizio Giovinardi, uh, winner in 2007 and 2008, so a back-to-back -back champion. Yeah, uh, a fantastic driver, someone that we've both seen race. Um, and was always at the top end of the field a uh, driver with great consistency had an excellent fight in his first championship win against Jason Plato finishing just three points ahead 
with the final weekend taking two wins and a second um, to promote him to the champion. That was the year that Jason burnt his hands as well in the Caparo uh, fire for fifth gear. It yeah. It's an even more exciting end to the season. Another Jason Plato lost moment perhaps, but a win for Gio nonetheless. Yes, it was. Um, and as you say, a double champion. That is something that only a couple of drivers have done in the championship um, and is an astonishing achievement. And just to take note, that um, Vauxhall that he was in was a very quick car. It was, but I think it says how good the championship was in 2007 that he won it by three points, taking 10 wins and seven podiums, so effectively 17 podiums throughout, and still only won by three points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2008, it was a lot more dominant, uh, with less wins, only five uh, and ten podiums, but a winner by 36 points. So, backed it up in the second year, uh, very, very convincingly indeed. And, I mean, going into that final round, he hadn't finished outside the top ten. No. Which, no. which is excellent. Um, had a poor final round at Brands Hatch, but he'd he done enough, I was going to say, he'd done enough already to take the championship. Um, also, a very sort of renowned for clean, uh, hard, fair racing. Uh, it was very ungiovanity like for him to put a, a move on somebody. He was always the racer rather than the punter. Yeah. Um, he did, of course, return in 2014. I mean, people think he came back and struggled, and okay, it was slightly underwhelming in the airwaves. Uh, uh, However, he did take a podium and did take 24 point score on results, which you know, shows his car to the driver what was a limited car. Yeah, I also point out that he did do the first um, first three rounds at Thruxton in 2010. Yes. And he got two wins and a fifth. Yes. And now, I can't for the life of me remember why he wasn't kept on for that season. Uh, his sponsor pulled out. Ah, yes. Because I think if, he, if he'd have carried on, then obviously with that start... <laughs> He still finished 14th in the championship, just putting that out there. Um, But he could have gone on to come very close again. Um, After his two title winning years, he he still finished third. Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, he's he's a quality driver. Um, As you say, that Airwaves Airwaves Ford wasn't great. Um, But it takes, takes some balls coming back into the championship, especially being a double... British champion as well. Um, got a lot to lose. Yes. So, yeah, he's he's a very good driver, isn't he? Yes, and I say, you know, whilst it wasn't the most overwhelming performances, when you actually look at the results, they're not as bad as I remember them being. No. I think it's just because we expect him to come back and challenge for a title because he is that good. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you actually look at the results, you, you can start to see a pattern that is more the car than, than the driver on that one. Yeah. Okay, well, where is he in your list then? We have three, uh, fourth, and fifth, respectively. Uh, how are you ranking Geo? I, I found Geo really difficult to rank. So he's one of two double champions on our list. Yeah. Which instantly puts him up there as one of the best international drivers. But that coming back slightly tinged it for me. But in those four years that he was there, he finished fifth, first, first, and third. So for me, he probably goes in second. Oh, we agree. Oh, 
we do. I mean, I find it difficult as we'll come to later on to put a double title winner below someone who's only won it once. Yeah. Um, I take your point in the box, it was an excellent car. But don't forget, you know, you beat Plato rather than his teammates. Um, yeah. And you then beat, uh, I can't remember who beat in 2008, but the thing was he got Matt the Jackson most out of that car. In, that, yeah, Jackson. in the BMW. There you go. So he didn't beat his, uh, you know, his title uh, rival in the same car. So whilst I accept that Vectra was an incredible machine, yeah, it was. He he squeezed every single inch out of that car, and you know, got results out of it. Matt, don't forget, Matt Neal can get the same results out of it when he went. I was going to say when when you remember the look of that car, it's not it's not what you'd think of as a touring car, is it? it it's really boxy, but they managed to make it work for him. As I say, you know, he got better results than a treble champion in that car. Yeah. So. Whilst part of it is the car, I think also a lot of it is the driver, and for that reason, yeah, number two for me on the list. Excellent. The third driver in our list is a Swiss, and his name is Alain Menu. Yes, uh, a driver that came to the championship for nearly, nearly 30 years ago now. Uh, 1992, he's made, made his debut. Um, in a BMW 318, only did half of the championship, um, and then moved into what we probably more know him to have been racing was the Renault uh, Renault dealer team, and later on the Renault Lagunas in that classic livery. And then later on after that, the Ford Mondeo. Yeah, another so great livery, seen... may I just add? Sorry. Another great livery, may I just add? Mm. You don't like that one, do you? It's not as good as the Renaults before. Um, since his debut, 229 starts, 36 wins, 28 poles, 20 fastest laps, but most importantly, two titles. Just. I, two I, titles. I'm still putting an asterisk next to that two titles. Two titles. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about his first title. Uh, in 1997, with that famed Renault Laguna, um, he took how many wins? Wow. Twelve. Twelve. He, he won half the races that season. He took four in a row as well. Jeez. Um, and his lowest finish was at Thruxton, uh, 17th. But apart from that, he didn't finish outside the top four? four. Wow. Top four. Yeah. I mean, that's dominance, isn't it? Eight podiums in there as well. Yeah. Uh, and he won the championship by over 100 points. I mean, that is beyond dominance, isn't it? We yeah. talked about three years earlier on. I mean, that is crazy terms. I, I Certainly the research I've done on various pods I've not seen a points difference that large no um, as we say that was Frank Beeler's second season um, yeah. and he absolutely dominated it uh, in those times they were um, counting 20 races points towards the title uh, so they had drop scores if not he would have scored 299 points um, and won by even more um, yeah. his teammate that season was Jason Plato, uh, who at that stage was no dab hand, um, and he finished third in the championship, just one point behind Beeler. Um, but that that Renault was dominant. Oh, absolutely! absolutely. It was and a again, fantastic it, car. And again, in a really difficult era of touring cars, so to yeah. take a win by that level is is phenomenal. Should we move on to his two battle title because? We mentioned briefly there about drop points. I mean, 
The touring cars have gone through some strange rule changes over the years. Perhaps it's the most bizarre. So would you like to walk us through how the tournament worked this point? Okay, so there were 24 uh, rounds. Um, obviously a little smaller than what we do nowadays. Uh, they would do basically two races each weekend um, and some some circuits they'd return back to. Um, but throughout the whole championship, as we've seen in Clio's and other series that have supported the touring cars in more recent years, they operated a drop score system. So you would nominate to drop your four lowest results. And in that 2000 season, Menu had four retirements. So effectively the points that he scored, he didn't have to drop any because he'd already had those four drop points through retirements. Now, the gentleman who finished second in the championship that season, Anthony Reid, who we've talked about on the podcast before, he only had two retirements that season, and so had to drop points from what he'd originally scored. Now, he'd originally scored 201 points, which was six points more than Menu, but throughout through the drop score system, which I think we've both come to accept is a completely silly system... Sorry. Um, he dropped two points behind Menu and missed out on the title. So even though he had better reliability, arguably, and possibly more consistency, he's missed out on a title because of the system that's been put in place for drop scores. However, my cynical side would say, and you know I love a bit of cynical, is this clever by Menu by ensuring he has four retirements and, and making the most out of the point scoring races. I mean, he had very good point scoring races that season uh, other than four retirements and he made the most of it. I mean, first and foremost, this is a stupid, stupid system. <laughs> um, very glad we have, we've got rid of it because it is pointless. What is the point of dropping rounds? Do you know how much uh, how much you sounded like Clarkson then? Yes, <laughs> I, I effectively am Clarkson. I mean, but what a stupid system that is. I mean, what is the point of even bothering to turn up to events if you're going to have to drop four results? I don't I don't understand what the point was of that at all. Yeah, so coming into the final round of the season, um, Anthony Reid had only had one retirement before then, and he finished seventh and retired. So they counted as part of his drop scores. So effectively, on the final weekend, he may not as well been there. Yeah, exactly. Because it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Now, I can only think that it was brought in to try and stop, uh, you know, 100 points plus, 97 points plus by pegging down but if it's the same across the field it makes no difference no. whatsoever no it doesn't you know so I mean I think we've moved on to a much more logical system now of success ballast coming in to try and yeah. uh, an, an engine uh, power up power down to try and yeah. uh, level out the field I can only assume it was done as a field leveling exercise yeah. because what would be more exciting is if you picked the rounds to drop points but I suppose you wouldn't turn up to those rounds so I, yeah it's just a bizarre system, but you can't argue with it. It is menu second title. It is on paper, yes. It, it is on a record. There's no asterisk yeah. on record. Yeah. Um, he would, of course, come back to the uh, championship, uh, Mr. Menu, uh, later on with BMR. Um, did struggle to get to grips with the Volkswagen, but he did finish 10th overall, taking two podiums. So, again, we thought he had a bad return. When you actually look at the results, they're not. Okay, they're not sitting the world on fire. They're not dreadful. No, they weren't dreadful. Um, uh, as I say, he also had a little dabble in 2007, joining in for the final round because 
VX Racing needed someone to score points. Oh, yes. Um, and he scored 13 of those in one weekend. Um, so, yeah, he, he came back to average success. Um, two podiums. And before he won his title in 1997, he had three consecutive second places in the championship, which was a competitive era, as we've already talked about, um, and is a notable achievement. Um, and the first first season in the Mondeo was a development season, where he finished 11th in the championship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's have an argument then about where he goes on the list, because I think there is going to be an argument here. Where are you putting him on the list? So Giovinardi was second for us both. Grilla was fourth and fifth. Um, fourth for me, fifth for you. Where is Menu going on the list for you? So Menu... Now I'm going to find this hard to just justify, aren't I? Menu goes in at third for me. You're a crackers, man. So, <laughs> yes... That 1997 season, outstanding. Completely understand that. But Biela had a great first season, and coming. Yeah. I... <laughs> well, let, me, I... let me lay my case. Here. Go on let then. Let me lay my case. So he's first on my list. Yeah. Okay. And the reason being, double champion, the massive gap, proved himself in two eras of the touring cars as well. Um, I could do three eras with the but I won't count the brief return for VXR as a weekend. Mm. Um, but effectively two eras of the sport. Okay, what? he didn't... Sorry, sorry. What are you classing as two eras? Well, the 90s, 2000s, and he came back in 2014 with BMR. That's two eras of the sport. Oh, okay. You're counting that comeback as, comeback as a success? I'm counting it as a success. To come back into the championship after all that time away... To take 10th overall in a very competitive championship and take two podiums, that isn't a bad result. That's not a bad return. If you were, if you scored that for most teams that aren't BMW or Halfords, you asset, that's a decent return to the season. Mm. I'd, so, I'd argue that the competitiveness of the championship in 2014 was a little down on what it is now and when he was first about. I wouldn't disagree, but I'd still argue that to finish 10th and take two podiums, when you look at drivers who haven't taken podiums, you know, they're not, they don't come for free, he's still taken podiums in two different eras, which I think is an impressive achievement. Okay, so part of my argument is that seasons were slightly shorter, mm-hmm. um, there were less, more and less chances to make mistakes or make ground back up. So yes, I understand that works in both ways, um, but I th- he just similar to what you said about Turkington, he doesn't excite me. I can understand that. So my my the reason he's effectively swapped from first to third on mine is that the person who's ended up first was more of an exciting character and driver. Yes, but he's also hated by a lot of people. I know he's going to be number one on your list. I would also point out that, obviously, in 96, we discussed Bria won it by over 90 points. Menu came back and won it by even more, which I think is an incredible achievement. He's taken on the Audi Quattro. He's not just taken it on, he's put it into the ground. Yeah. So, I, I can't I can't not have him top, because I say, the main reason being double title winner, 36 wins, two eras, two titles, 
I, I can't put anyone who's got less titles below. I accept your point about the asterisks for 2000. It's a stupid system. Any other year, I would agree Anthony Reid wins it. Unless, of course, Menu took those four retirements to make sure he had the points for the other races. It's a, it's a daft system, and it encourages it people to, to cheat the system effectively. I'm not saying he did cheat it, because lawyers are, you know, exist. But it gives the opportunity to do so. Yeah. Um, and it's a daft decision. If they said that retirements didn't count towards your dropping points, that would make more logical sense. Yes, it would. Because if, you, if you've had a bad race and you're down in, what, 14th, 15th, 16th, then, okay, you, you're losing out on maybe one or two points. And you or, can kind of discount that race. Or if it said only two of your non-scorers could be retirements. But to allow all four to be retirements yeah. is daft. Because... Yeah. Yeah, you see the result it gave, but I can't. I know who your number one is, and I can't accept he's above that menu. But we'll move on to our next driver. So our next driver on our list uh, is Ivan Muller, um, well known to us. Uh, we've both seen him race, I believe. Uh... Well, not live, but yes. Not live, yeah. okay. Um, I think I saw him uh, around at Donington um, in around 2003, 2004, maybe. Um, a driver that entered the championship in 1998 in that, as you said, Audi A4, um, and then had a great affinity with Vauxhall Motorsport and VX Racing in either their Vectra or Astra. Um, Another driver, as we say, that has won a championship. Took that championship in 2003. Just the one, no, crucially. Just the one, yes. Um, but along with that, he never finished outside the top seven in the championship in the eight years that he was in the sport. Um, in 2002, he had a five-point deduction. Uh, finished second in the championship. Um, but I always remember Muller being the one that had the great fights with Tomo in that Vectra and Plato and Plato clashes between those two over the years yeah okay well I'll let you take us through the 2006 2003 rather uh, championship win and then I will give my thoughts on the Frenchman okay so in 2003 he took uh, six wins um, started off the season with three seconds in a row um, had a season-long fight with James Thompson in the same car. They were both, what, over 50 points ahead of third, who was Matt Neal. Um, and he finished 34 points ahead of Thompson in the championship in the end. Yep. And he, apart from two retirements, he never finished outside the top five, which is excellent consistency. Something that we can say for pretty much all of these drivers in their championship winning season. Yep. May I present the other side of the coin? <coughs> Go on. So, how long was he in the sport, did you say? Eight years. For eight years, he's only taken, let's say, only 36 wins, which is quite low for eight years. A, a good return on podiums is 79, I'll give you that. Yep. Um, we have, on this podcast, criticised Jason Plato quite a lot for not converting more winning positions into titles. Yeah. Would it not be fair to put the same brush with Yvonne, uh, Yvonne Muller. So in the following season, in 2004, he missed out on the title by one point to Thompson. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was his second closest one. And it's like, 
yes, there are plenty of second places that he achieved in that championship and thirds. If he'd maybe got that extra move done, then he would have taken another. Um, but for me, effectively, he comes closer to a championship than Menu did to his second. Right. <laughs> Just putting that my, out there. My counter argument to that would be he's. If you look at the cars he's driven, um, he's very. I, I don't think he's ever had not a great car at his disposal in the eight years he was there. Not the Audi or the Vauxhall. I I would say the only downside that Menu had was developing that Mondeo that was new to the sport. Mm-hmm. Whereas Muller has had not a lucky break, but he's had two very very competitive cars underneath him. Yeah. And he's only turned it into one championship. Now, we have, I said, not, not we've had a go, we've had a go, so for not converting more. Uh, I think words are very similar drive to play, so in that it's win at all costs or nothing. Um, I just think when you look at the stats, when you look at the years, when you look at the cars, he should have achieved more. So can I, can I just put out there the drivers that he was racing with? Mm-hmm. So we've got Matt Neal, three-time champion. Plato, then. not then. Um, Plato, Dan Eves obviously took their treble. Uh, we've got the newer drivers coming through. We have Turkington in there. We've got Chilton in there. Collard in there. And at the start of his career, he was racing with Leslie. Arguably, he has done that transition from that super touring, starting in the Audi, moving into the newer um, yeah. touring car that we know of today. I'd accept that. And he was able to make that adjustment and actually develop on that adjustment. I would accept that. I would counter with, look at the people that Menu beat in both these seasons. I know you accept you won't accept 2000 as fully legitimate, but look at the drivers he beat in those years. You're talking Rydell, Muller, Thompson, Plato coming through, Leslie, Reed, uh, Cleland. The list is endless of touring car legends that mm. Menu beat twice. And I just think, well, I accept that with the one point, that's very unlucky, and I accept that he was never outside the top seven. But I just think he is a man who should have achieved more to be number one on the list. I think I think part of what may have come into my reckoning um, is just a little mention to what he's gone on to do in the world touring cars. Yeah, okay. Four-time world champion. Yeah. And between 2007 and 2016, he didn't finish any lower than third. Which is incredible. I don't, I don't disagree. But it's not the British touring cars. No, I understand that. But he's gone on to show his racing pedigree. I think what this comes down to more is that I'm just not a big Muller fan. I, I'll be honest with you. I found ah, there him, we go. <laughs> I found him arrogant at times. I look back and at some of the footage and some of the interviews etc I found it quite arrogant and a little bit difficult to, to talk to if you're a, a press person it's just my interpretation of watching back old footage also I didn't see it live at the time it's just you know looking back having read Jason Plato's book um, there's a lot of I mean he gives a lot of sides of many a driver in that book Muller doesn't come out too faithfully at times in there either um, I just don't like the abrasiveness um, I think that Menu is a far cleaner driver. But you don't uh, like boring old Colin Turkington. No, there's a middle <laughs> ground for me. There's a middle ground between boring and exciting. And I think that there is a 
a group of drivers currently who have that. I think if you asked me for two names, three names top of my head, I'd give you Adam Morgan, uh, Dan Cavish, and Tom Ingram as three very good, hard, fair, but exciting drivers yeah. uh, who aren't bored, who will go for it, but aren't, you know, not going to pump you off to do so. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I know where he's on your list. I know he's on my list. So let's get to a number on the list. Yeah, he he is number one for me. How can you put about two cha- two two time champions? Okay, I accept you won't accept the menu one, but how is he above Giovinazzi as well? Because of the time that he spent in the sport. Again, that's that's the reason that Frank Bieler is bottom for me. Is that he wasn't there long enough, and I think Gio could have been there longer as well. I mean, you could say the same about Muller, considering what he went on to achieve at the World Touring Car level. But arguably, at the World Touring Car level, he was putting himself up against even better drivers. Yep. But why didn't he win more in those eight years, then? What? At World Touring Cars? No, at British Touring Cars. Oh, British Touring Cars. Luck, maybe? Yeah. Luck, consistency... on my list, he's third. I can't put him. I can't put him above people who've won it twice. Um, particularly when you look at the fact that Giovinazzi won it twice in less time. Um, I accept the Muller was an extraordinarily competitive era, but Giovinazzi was didn't win it at a canter. He was also in a competitive era, and Menu likewise. Menu was in the same era as Muller and did better than him. So I'd just like to point out that Muller, in those five seasons around his championship win, so he finished second, second, first, second, second. In that time, apart from retirements that he suffered, his lowest finish was 11th, which happened once, and a 10th. The rest of the time, he was sort of like top eight. Which is very good, but he still didn't turn into championships. No, no. So... As I say, for me, Menu raced in the same era uh, and won it twice. Therefore, he has to be better uh, on paper, uh, higher on my list. And Giovinardi's in it for less time, and he uh, won it twice. So, for me, Muller is third on the list, and we're never going to agree on this, are we? <laughs> no, I don't think so. Should we go to the final driver? Yes, we shall. Okay, so moving on to our last driver. Before I give the name, I will give an honourable mention because he was on the list until very late on uh, where I made a late call for Frank Grieler. Uh Rick Rydell was in the list. Another before. another champion uh, from overseas. Yeah. Um, famously won in that uh, saloon Volvo. Not yeah. the estate that we all remember. Um, and yeah, he, he came close, but he's Sort of like win record wasn't quite up to the same standard as Frank Beeler. Um, no. Although he's gone on to do excellent things again in the World Touring Cars. And Swedish Touring Cars as well. Yeah. Um, but he was in the, in the series for six years. He got 21 wins uh, in his winning year. He only took five wins and 12 podiums. I mean, he did also race a uh, Volvo Estate, which was very, very exciting. Um, but when you look at the stats compared to uh, Beeler, uh, and our last driver, honourable mention, but not in the top five. Uh, the last driver on the list is another Italian. Uh, it is Gabriel Tarquini. Yes, the old maestro. An odd one, this, when you look at the stats. It's a very, <laughs> it's a very, very odd column, one. Very column B, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so he came into the championship in 1994. 
had been racing in the in the Italian touring cars with Alpha Corsa, and they decided that they wanted an assault on the British touring cars with a previously mentioned one of my favourite cars, the Alpha One Five Five, that had outrageous aerodynamics and uh, entered a season with strangely twenty one races. Yeah, which was quite odd for the touring cars. Um, and absolutely stormed it. He, he won the first five rounds um, and went on to win a further three, so took eight in the season. Had two, uh, two, three, four, five, six podiums along with that. And let's also point out that there were three races that he didn't start yep. and one that he was re- withdrawn from. Uh, and he'd gone to win by 76 points. <laughs> Come in and but, put your marker down. But let's, but let's put some asterisks down on this. Oh, here we go. Well, hang on. You're the one who <laughs> Alan Menu, so let's get another asterisk pen out. That car was outrageous. Yes, it was. It was by far and away the best on the grid. Although you, you say that, his teammate only finished fifth in the championship. Yes. Oh, I think over 100 points behind him. I think that does come back a little bit to what we discussed earlier with Giovinazzi um, and others with the great car made even better by a massive driver. Yeah. Okay, let's then go on to column B, which is 95. So, <laughs> only race car this season, for whatever reason, failed to get a podium, a very mixed bag of results, shall we say. Yes, yeah, so this was due to Alpha Corsa with effectively withdrawing support from the team um, and because of that a well-known English company ProDrive who we hopefully most of us will know from World Rallying ran the Subaru team um, stepped in and said that they would take over the Alphas um, and run them for that season um, however this was the back end of the season and they didn't score particularly highly um, it, effectively it looks like they only ran one car all season so Simone uh, his teammate ran for the first just about half a season and then Tarquini ran for the second half of the season um, and consequently Tarquini then went off um, returned back to Italian touring cars um, and sort of like flitted all over the place because he then came back in 97 with in that Honda Accord, finished yep. sixth in the championship. One win. Um, and then didn't come back the next season because he was doing something else. Uh, came back for a couple of rounds in '99, and yep. then come came back again for a full full season in 2000 and finished sixth. It's like it's a strange, very strange touring car career. Um, but the it impact is. that he came in and had right at the start was awesome. Yeah, he's gone on to do a lot of disciplines since, and been wearing a lot of disciplines since. He's certainly the most uh, versatile driver on the list. I think we look at the various from F1 uh, all the way around, really. Yeah. I do ask the question, what could have been? I mean, his two full seasons were disappointing. Two six in the championship overall. I accept that 97 and 2000 were two very, very competitive eras as well. Um, yeah, I find it astonishing some of his achievements. As we say, he won the championship in '94, 
Uh, he won European Touring Car Championship in 2003. Uh, 2009, he won the World Touring Car Championship. Um, 2008 and 2010, he finished second. Uh, and then again in 2018, he won the FIFA, uh, FIA World Touring Car Cup, which for a driver at the time who was 50, what, mid-50s, is astonishing. I mean, I don't know many other drivers in their mid-50s still competing at absolute top level, not even like a, a seniors um, racing uh, championship, and to go in and still be winning, dr winning races and having that passion for the sport, I mean, I know he's Italian and his passion probably comes out in leaps and bounds like the rest of them, um, but yeah, I think he had an excellent excellent career as a whole and that touring car debut was just phew, lightning it was um, as I say I look at it and think that's a great speech you've just given then you look at some of his stats he's only taken 12 touring car wins which is mental yeah. in its own right um, it's a very difficult one Tarquini because I do look at it and think what could have been Yeah. Um, when you look at what equipment he had and what he achieved in the first season I was gonna, that, I, a bit of luck if that had gone his way, he could have been three-time British Touring Car Champion, probably. Yeah. If he'd have got hold of that Audi or got hold of that Renault, then I think he'd have done just the same that he did in that Alpha. I think the other problem he had was it was difficult to build momentum with half-seasons here, few yeah. events there, not doing season after season. We've seen it with many other drivers that the first season often isn't great and then they come out of nowhere uh, this last year for example arguably he may be a victim of wanting to drive as much as possible because he's flitting between championships mm. and doesn't put all his eggs in one basket yeah I'd agree the James Thompson uh, syndrome yeah. uh, as we've discussed other times um, so yeah I mean, where is he on your list for you then uh, for me he's in at number 4 um, okay because, as you say, what could have been, he had a little longer in the championship than Bieler. I think he was very unlucky with, obviously, Alpha pulling out. I think if they'd have kept that car for the second season and had the full support, then they could probably have gone on and won it again. Um, but, obviously, his luck wasn't in. He's fifth on my list, um, just because, I mean, Bieler had two seasons and both were very good at first and second yep. it's the mixed bag for me that uh, puts him stiff on my list I don't doubt his ability as a driver as a BTCC driver specifically I think he, that the four ahead of him are probably better when you look at results uh, and what they achieved not to take anything away from uh, Gabriel Tarquini but you took him out of the alpha and he struggled now I don't think, I don't think it's as simple as that no. but I think there is a part of it in there, um, and you look at what could have been, he stuck stuck all his eggs in a basket for a couple of years and gone, right, four years, throwing up to see what he can do. Part, uh, part of me wonders how he would do, having won that championship in 2018 in the World Touring Cars, if he came back now, would he still be competitive? Where would he rank in the field nowadays? I'd love to see it. Give, give him it. give him a half average car. Stick him in an FK8 Civic, maybe at BTC Racing. That's only half decent. At BTC Racing, I said. That's only half decent. <laughs> they were they were right in the championship class. I think that's a bit harsh. 
And okay, then stick him in the Audi. Where would he come? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's not, that's nicer. Would he finish in the top ten of the championship? I think so. No, I don't. I think the championship is. I think the guard has changed too much. I don't. And maybe in time, if he did a couple of seasons, I don't think he'd come in and go straight into number ten. No. No, and you look at the calibre of drivers he's going to have to beat to get into the top 10. Just on top of this, he's going to get ahead of Cavish, Ingram, Morgan, uh, Neil, Plato, Jackson probably this season. Uh, you'd argue uh, BTC, there'll be two of those Cook, in there. Chilton. Chilton at, yeah. at nine. You'd probably put a shout for Sutton being in the top 10. I mean, I think if he, stu- I think if he stuck us a couple of years, then yes. But mm. I think that the calibre is so strong at the moment, I don't see anyone being able to come in and break top 10 straight away he's had a hell of a career 1983 he started racing and that was in F3 yeah oh he's he's, he's fantastic most decorated on the you know in terms of uh, cars race yeah awesome well well shall we recap our respective lists then as I think we are there yeah yep yep would you like to go first yep so in fifth for me is Tarquini Uh, in fourth is Frank Breeler uh, third, Yvonne Muller, only one title to his name. Uh, <coughs> second, Giovinardi with two. And first, Alan Menu with two and proven in two different eras. But we're not going to agree on that, so we'll leave it there. And Sam, what's your top five? Uh, my top five comes with Frank Beeler in fifth, uh, Gabrielli Tarquini in fourth, third is Alan Menu, Giovinardi in second, and Ivan Muller in first. Well, we don't agree, but what do you think? Who in that top five should be at number one? Perhaps there's a driver we didn't even consider that you think should be in the top five. Do feel free to get in touch. Uh, We'll be back next week. Sam, what are we doing? Uh, So next week, we're going to have a look at our favourite moments from the British Touring Cars. So in the time that we've been watching, those memorable moments, whether it be fights on track and off track or championship moments like we had with Camish um, last season Um, or anything else that comes to mind that we remember fondly or think that that was exciting or was memorable as always do get in touch with your thoughts on any of the subjects we've covered and feel free to uh, suggest some we are getting very low to the bottom of our lists now so if there's anything you want us to cover do feel free to request it Um, until then we'll be back next week yeah, next week, 7 o'clock. Um, we hope you all stay safe and well. Um, and we'll speak to you next week. Goodbye. Go. Remember to subscribe, follow and also share our podcast for more touring car updates. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook by just searching for BTCP, British Touring Car Podcast. And you can also contact us there or on our email at btccpod at gmail.com.